Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help or if you need prayer of any kind, you can text the keyword, I need help to 31996. Or if you give your life to the Lord, we would love to know. You can text the keyword, I said yes, to that same number, 31996. Someone from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. Thank you, everybody. Amen. Our mantra, that was a great hosting and transition job wherever you're at, and that was just awesome. Y'all excuse me real quick. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you. Thank you for your mercy, your grace. Father, thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for the spirit, your powerful, living, present spirit that is here with us today. Father, search our hearts, search our minds. Father God, just let us submit ourselves to you today. Humble ourselves before you that you will lift us up in Jesus' name. We receive your word today. We receive your grace in Jesus' name. And thank you for this is the day that you have made. Amen. 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 Praise God. Let's give him a good hand, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. I'm not preaching on this word, but as our mantra was speaking, I, was, I thought of uh, Exodus 14. And in Exodus 14, uh, this is what Moses said to the people. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more. For the Lord shall fight for you. He shall hold your peace. So praise God. And then he says, and the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore do you cry unto me? Speak to the children of Israel, uh, because they should go forward. Praise God. But the scripture said they came to the water's edge. They had a problem. They came to a place of contention, a place of uh, conflict, not knowing what to do, maybe feeling a little fear. And would the Lord say, stand still, and I will show you today that your, your, your enemies will no longer be in the way. So praise God for that. Yeah. Amen. All righty. Yeah. That's a good word. God's word does not return void, and it accomplishes that, which we uh, ask it, and which he, of course, performs it to do. So before we start today, I'd like to have a proclamation. Are you good with that? Last week, Pastor Orlando talked to us about proclamations, declaring his word, right? So I'm going to go ahead and say a few words, and you can just repeat after me in the event you're not familiar with the scripture, okay? All right, here we go. Romans 8, 29. And we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, those who he foreknew, who he also predestined to be conformed, to be conformed, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. Let's give God a good hand for his word. <laughs> You want to get supercharged, get full of God's word. Are we good with that? Just keep filling ourselves with his word. So the title of this message today is just the paradox of normal, because I really don't know what normal is. Do you? 
Is there any such thing as normal? Praise God. And uh, what we think is normal, Jesus turns upside down anyways. Praise God for that. We think normal is in living. He says it's in death. We think it's in obtaining. He says it's in giving. We think it's in arriving. He says it's in serving. Jesus turns things upside down, and I'm grateful for that. Because when I put things right side up, they end up upside down anyway. So thank you, Lord. Amen. So God's good. He loves you. He loves me. And, you know, God created us for a purpose, and that was to worship him. To, to enter into glory, and by glory I mean his blessedness, his creation, his power, his majesty, his sovereignty. Everything in heaven and earth belongs to him. He is God of all creation, and he created us to share not his glory, but to share in that glory. And as he gives us the opportunity to worship him, to depend on him, to enter into that privileged place, you know, so many times we say, oh, I'm not going to bow to God. I'm not going to bow and worship. But he calls us to worship yes. because it's a privileged place. When my child or one of my kids, I had two, one of them, whatever you want to, whichever one you want to pick, pick. But, you know, I say, hey, come here, sit here. And I hug them, a little noogie. I mean, that's a privileged place, right? I mean, they probably think, oh, dad, stop, right? But, man, you just, you're loving it. And that's what the Lord is calling us to come worship so he can give you a spiritual noogie right there, right on your head, and say, man, I love you. I didn't want a dog, but we got one. And uh, whenever I'm reading, I'm sorry? Oh, whenever I'm reading, she comes up, or in Tara as well, so we fight over that. Who's, who gets her on our lap the most? So I know the more I let Tara win, the more she'll actually come to me because she'll say, get, get. But that dog sits on our lap, and man, you're just reading, and she's sitting there, and it just feels so good. It's a privileged spot. I love it. So God loves me. He loves you, and I love him. Is that something to be happy about? And that's what he's called us to, to worship him. And my gosh, what a great, great opportunity. So Ephesians 2.8 says that we've been saved by grace which is by faith, which is a gift of God. Therefore, about works no man shall boast, right? Because we've done nothing to earn salvation. It is a gift of grace, which is God's beauty, his unmerited favor, which is by faith, which is a gift. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. There's no rule, no list of rules, no checklist. It's only by grace. When we come into that presence of God, Repent and say, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I depend on you. We're reconciled. We're restored into that place. Hallelujah. That sacred, holy, wonderful, loving, secure mm, bosom of praise. Praise God into his arms. Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation to those who love God, who are to those who love God, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ, amen, and love God, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, amen. For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. I say all that just to say this. God loves you, and there's no condemnation to those who walk in his name, amen? Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Be supercharged by his word. So I'm going to ask uh, the guys to put a little uh, word splash up on the overhead real quick. And a couple of weeks ago, about the time the Supreme Court uh, was passing down its decision regarding the right to life, 
There's a lot of other things going on in the news and throughout the world, the economy, wars, rumors of wars. Some aren't really, war, some aren't really rumors, they're reality. Pestilence, famine, the things that we associate with the end times, but just the things of this world, just the things of this world. You know, we live in a fallen world. I love, the, I love this earth. It's a gift of God, but it's a corrupt place. When you pull an apple from the tree, it starts to what? Decompose. And there's nothing you can do to stop that corruption. It continues to decompose. You can put it in the refrigerator and halt it for a few days, but once you take it out or even leave it in there, it's going to continue to what? Decompose. This world is decomposing. I hate to tell you that. But the Bible says that in the last days, this is how I interpret it, the light is going to get brighter and the darkness is going to get deeper. The light is going to get brighter and the darkness is going to get deeper. This is a corrupt place, and those who love the light will come to the light, and those who love darkness will come to the darkness. There's going to be a divide, and the divide is happening. You can see it every day, the polarization of, of, of the things we see in the world. That's why I wanted to put this chart up there. There's so many little acronyms up, acronyms up there in words, but when the Supreme Court decision was handed down, and I'm not here to say this is how you should feel, this is how you shouldn't feel. I'm here to say that the actions that people instigate, all the leaders and the followers that are involved in some of these um, activities up here, or maybe it's the fight for hunger, it's to promote health care, maybe it's voting integrity, and it's something about trans transgender athleticism, it's social justice, uh, you know, maybe it's the folks who organize Antifa or some of the BLM folks, or maybe it's... Um, let me see, COVID, how about COVID mandates? Woo, yeah. Uh, it's uh, climate change, it's been a little hot this week, I'm not worried, are you? No, that's good. It's, the climate's gonna change someday, but I'm not worried about that, amen? But uh, artificial intelligence, that's kind of a weird one. But you know, it's real, right? These are things that, are, that cause conflicts among us, that cause um, a discrepancy, like why do you feel the way you do? There's some of us that sit in here that have differences of opinions. And I'm thinking, like, why do you feel the way you do? And you're thinking, why do you feel the way you do, dude? And I say, well, I'm right. And you say, no, you're wrong. And so we get into this conflict or someone comes, let's put a, uh, the shoe on another foot. What if someone comes into this church, church, and uh, they have a different type of garment on than what you think is really culturally appropriate or socially acceptable? Or maybe they have a different view on relationships than what you do. And I'm not pointing a finger at anything. I'm saying in general. Or maybe they look differently than you do. Maybe they, this is, they're just way different than you. What is, what is our response to that? What is our response? Well, I guess it's gone. I thought it was back up there. But what is our response to the, to the ac actions, the cultural, um, the cultural, I guess, activities that are just taking place in our world? Are those, are those cultural activities affecting your mind? Are they affecting your spirit? Are they, do they have power over you? When somebody comes in, do you start making a judgment or getting offended? I guess my question is, all these socially acceptable and or unacceptable activities that we see taking place, depending on your point of view, I can't, I'm not going to judge that. What is the intent behind them? Is it an intent of works because I want to make myself feel better? I want to feel like I'm doing something. I feel guilty. Or is it love and faith? And when you are demonstrating things in your home and in society. What is the intention? What is the motive behind your action? I mean, when I look at this list of things up here, I mean, there's some of those things I just downright don't like and don't like and don't like even more. 
And they may, some of them you may feel okay about. Does that make me right? <laughs> Have fun. Does that make me right and you wrong? It does. That's okay. Just leave it there, y'all. I'm good. I've got Tic Tacs in my pocket. <laughs> I get thirsty. I'll just pop one in there. I've learned from Pastor Randy, but he uses these big old lozenges. I just got a little Tic Tac. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. Oh, he probably saw it. There you go. <laughs> Anyways, what is the motive for our actions uh, the, 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 the worship team did a fantastic job today, did they not? Yeah. Praise God. And the last song, what is your identity? Yeah. I'm thinking the way I respond to you probably is going to be based on my identify, who I identify with. A lot of folks are caught up in these causes today because they don't have an identity. They maybe don't have a purpose, perhaps. I'm not judging, I'm speculating. But I think there's a good sense of discernment that I may be on track to something here, right? But what's their purpose? What's their identity? So they're looking for something, and they're finding satisfaction in a cause. But what's the intent behind that cause? What's the intention behind the words that you speak, the intention behind the actions that you take, the intention behind the, the conflicts you try to resolve? Or, by contrast, those conflicts you create because of the way you respond, or the conflicts you create because of the way you interpret something. Or the conflicts you create because of the way you embrace somebody. Embrace probably the wrong word. Forcefully embrace. My whole point is this. I, I, I just got to think, Lord, what's normal anymore? What's normal? Are y'all with me? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Thank you. Because I've been doing a lot of this. But all for one reason, right? So I said, Lord, what is normal? Because this is a true story. Uh, statements really in the story. But um, after all these things were going down in our culture, which has been for some time now, I started thinking, am I normal? You know, even this week as I was praying and studying, I mean, some, some flashes of doubt came into my mind. Like, do you really believe that? I mean, speaking of this, speaking of God's word. Or one day I was just sitting studying and this lustful thoughts just came into my mind. Where did that come from? This, it just, and so there's, there's a spiritual component to this. We wrestle not against principalities and or flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, wickedness in high places. But there's also a component that has to do with us. And so I said, Lord, what is normal? And, and I guess the first word I heard was this, is that you shall know them by their fruits. So if you're wondering if something's normal, if you're wondering what the intention is behind it, if you're wondering what the motive is behind it, what are the fruits? Does that make sense? Because I get confused sometimes, so I say, okay, the only thing I can do is look at the, look at the fruits. And if the fruits are godly, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, against such things there is no law, Galatians 5, 22, 23. Then I, then I know with some good assurance, that's good. There's good fruit there. There's good fruit there. So when we're making judgments or we're judging things that people are doing or we're taking an action to be um, proactive about something, I guess my question is, I'm not here to judge your action. I'm here to just discern your fruit. And even in discerning your fruit, I'm not going to judge you. Because if I judge you, I'm now not demonstrating the fruit. <laughs> Did y'all get that? But I will say this, if you are a tree, you're going to grow and you're going to spring from the seed to which you're rooted in from. You're going to grow from the seed from which you originate. Does that make sense? So whatever your fruit is, that's the seed. Whatever you're identifying with, that's your seed. Some recent statistics are really concerning, and you're probably familiar with these. Um, and basically, 
uh, from the Cultural Research Center, Arizona Christian University, American Worldview Inventory 2020. Uh, the researcher George Barna explained, and I quote, um, this is a, a paraphrase as well, society has strayed, I and mean, that's all I'll say. Society has strayed, uh, duh, really? Uh, but the, the question and the, the, the results of his survey and I'm going to um, paraphrase, but across all sections of uh, Christendom, um, Charismatics, Pentecostals, Catholics, Baptists, um, Evangelicals, Protestants, an alarming, and this is approximation because I didn't write it all down, but only about 50, uh, probably 45% of the people surveyed believe that this is the authoritative word of God. Believe that this is the absolute word of God. Uh, about 56% said that they did not, and I'm not saying this is true or false, I'm just stating a statistical fact of survey. Uh, about 56% of the folks said that they didn't believe that abortion, uh, whether it's wrong or right, was addressed in the Bible, or they couldn't infer from the Bible what was right or wrong in regards to that. Um, let me think. Uh, 70, well, 77% of one particular denomination, uh, but overall about 57% of all the respondents said that they believe salvation was based more on works than by grace. On works. I can earn it. I can do it, which is a terrible burden and a terrible bondage. Christianity is the only religion that I know of in the world that says you are saved by grace, which is by faith, which is a gift of God. You don't have to earn it. You're not going around in bondage, yoked to, oh my God, this fear that I'm not being good enough. I'm not doing enough. Oh, I made a mistake again today. Christianity says you are saved by grace, by the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, who died and redeemed so that he may be the firstborn among many brethren, which is all of you and me, I hope, right? Praise God for that. Christianity is the only religion in this world that offers salvation by grace and not by works. Somebody say amen. Amen, because that is good news. Lord Jesus, protect my mind. So I have got to have an identity. What do you identify with when you're making decisions, when you're engaged in conflict, or when you're feeling like, ah, I don't know if I like that, and you want to make a judgment, or someone says something to you and you want to take an offense, or some of these things that were up on the splat wall you have some pretty strong opinions about, and that's okay. I do too. But the point is, we asked, and I asked you, you know them by their fruits, but how do you base your decisions? And it has to be based on the word of God because this is the only thing that doesn't change. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, training in righteousness that the man of God be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the only authoritative, authoritative, authoritative truth, absolute truth that we can depend on. Now again, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I can't make that decision for you. But when I look at the world and see how culture's impacting everything else and how culture's back and forth and up and down and over and over and around and around and is dwindling and disintegrating and there's anarchy and confusion, praise God, there's one thing that gives me a clear light and a clear path to walk on, that's the word of God. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm right. Praise God, I think I'm right, though. And uh, that's all I can say because that's the only thing I can base truth on. Pontius asked Jesus, what is truth? Maybe he was sarcastic. I don't know. What is truth? What do, you, what do you know? What is truth? Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. 
I find no, you know, if you think, Pastor Reggie talks to me about this quite a bit because he's a thinker, and he says, Lenny, the, the importance of critically thinking. How many of you, and again, I'm not, and this is a rhetorical question, but how many of us have sat down and thought about your life? Thought, and thought about, wow, if I do really good works, but there's really no God, what does it matter? I mean, I guess my point is, no matter how many times you think through life and death and eternity and salvation and creation, for me, I always come to the same conclusion. It's, an, it's, an, it's a circular loop. There's only one answer, either total annihilation after I die, which has been the case for everybody forever, or there's something else. I mean, I look at the, the heavens and the earth, I can't imagine just falling out of the sky and becoming what it is. Amen? And something created that. And I know it was, it was God. Because why would I even worry about eternal life if there wasn't such a thing? Why would I even think about it? Who planted that thought in me? Why would I have a conscience? Do good. Don't do right. Don't do wrong. There's a conscience in me. There's a law in my heart. There's an awareness of something greater than me. And I have to seek that. And to seek that, I know that it must be God. And he sent Jesus Christ to reconcile me to that. And Paul said, oh, believers in Galatia, how miserable you must be if your faith in Jesus is only in this world. Praise God. You have, we live for a life after this world. If all we are living for is today, we're going to be disappointed. Because you're going to get disappointed. You're going to get hurt. Someone's going to scar you, bruise you, abuse you, refuse you, accuse you, and you're going to be all messed up. Amen? That was a little rhyme. It just kind of came from somewhere. <laughs> But I'll take it. But Jesus is the way. Praise God. So, wow. I got off topic. <laughs> Just in a roundabout way. I'm getting there. So, praise God. We are a chosen generation. Amen. Amen. A royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Someone called me peculiar a couple days ago, and I, it was Tara, no, my wife. She always says that, though. In fact, you're just downright weird. But, um, but I've never been called peculiar before. But I, I said, oh, thank you. I've never been called peculiar before. I'm going to call it like a lot of things, right? But never peculiar. And so I said to this person, thank you. Because the scripture says that we are a holy nation, a peculiar people. Praise God that we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Because when you get in the light of Jesus, things change. The closer you get to the fire of God, the more you become like the fire of God. The more you get purified, sanctified, glorified, you walk in the presence of God and you're drawn closer to the fire. You always want to get close to the fire, right? You, the fire draws you. The light draws you. It cleanses you. It heals you. It, it gives you happiness. And God, the, there's something about the power of fire. Yeah. I mean, there's some negative <laughs> aspects to it as well. But I'm speaking positively today. So, okay. Uh, here's where I was going today. I had to have a burden because I feel like uh, in our hearts, in our minds, <clears throat> there's a point of confliction. There's a point of contrast, a point of... Um, embattlement sometimes, confusion, because I don't know if we all, all of us, and myself, when I was first saved, of course not, but always understand the nature of who we are. The nature of who we are. Because what, what we manifest, you know, the fruits of our life are usually based 
on the origin from where we came from. So, for example, if I'm living in the flesh, living a sinful life, uh, living just in my own, my own dependence, my fruits are going to be indicative of that, right? Envious, full of strife, murder, debate, deceit. I mean, just all, of, all those things of the flesh. But if, I'm, but if my, my past, where I was a moment ago, is rooted in Christ, then the fruits are going to be good. But do you know that in Genesis, the first chapter, second chapter, third chapter and the fourth chapter, you can pretty much summarize the contents of God's word. This is the gospel in Genesis form. I mean, all the threads, all the, all the doctrines, all the meaning of the scripture is embedded pretty much in the, in the book of Genesis, especially the first several chapters. It's such a powerful, powerful book. And the reason I wanted to share that with you is because we are exposed every day to temptations, to the, to the pull of our own lusts, and our fleshly desires, uh, to the assaults and the indictments from others. We're pulled. Those things conf- conflict us. They pull at us. Our own thinking, our own shame and guilt and depression and regret and remorse and, oh, why did I do that? And, whoa, I can't believe I'm in this situation. I mean, all those things pull at us. But in the scripture in Genesis, uh, the first 126 and 27, God tells us that um, he formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Yeah. A living soul. He's made of body, soul, and spirit. As of all, 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 of, all of us are the same way. We are constituted of a body, of a soul, and a spirit. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Sanctify yourself, cleanse yourself, be holy, separate yourself, body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. And we were made in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. Our body is that physical component that interacts with the physical world. You all have it, right? Sight, uh, what's that, what are the other four? <laughs> Touch, sound, t- I mean, you, we interact with our physical environment. And that brings joy, that brings peace. I mean, that's just wonderful, right? We interact. And then there's our spirit that God breathed into us. And that was the, the capacity for us to have fellowship and union and communion with the Father. Does that make sense? Body to interact with the physical world, his spirit to interact with him, our heavenly Father, to worship, to fulfill our designated purpose with him, to have relationship with him. And then the soul, mind, will, and emotions. So what I think, what I feel, and my, my grit, I got a will here, right? So in Galatians chapter 5, verses uh, 16 and 17, I believe it is, we see a picture of our, of, our, of our inner man, and the scripture says this, this I say then, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So there's a reality of where we came from in this world. I mean, it's important to know why our nature is what it is. What's our origin, right? Remember I asked the question earlier, what's normal? If we don't know where we came from, then it's hard to understand the answer to that question because God made us body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. And I do want to draw your attention to one thing in regards to that, that God, when he made man, he also made man subject to, 
to his standard of holiness. So, for example, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 6 or 7, we don't think of the law as being evidence that early in the Scripture because I think the law came from Moses. But the first law was actually given to Adam in the garden when God said, you are free to eat of every tree except the tree of good knowledge. That was a law. That was a law. And God gave that law to man because man had free will because true love is free will. If I say I love you but I chain you in a room, that's not love. That's, that's tyranny, right? That's, that's weird and that's mean and that's not love. But if I love you, I create you right? He created, and I want you to enjoy my life, and I'm gonna give, but I'm going to give you free will because I want it to be sincere. I don't want to be loved in a phony way. I want this to be genuine. So he made a law, and at that time, the law was don't eat from the tree of good knowledge because when the day that you do that, you will know good and evil, and you will be as a God. But of course, Adam and Eve were deceived. They ate from the tree, and that corruption, that corruption separated them from God. The apple got pulled from the tree, so to speak, and the curse of the law then came into play because where, where there is no law, there is no sin. But when there's a law, then sin becomes sin. And so God gave a law. They broke the law and sin entered into them. They were separated from God because in God's eyes, the scripture says in Habakkuk 1.13 that he is too pure as to look upon evil. Iniquity cannot dwell in his presence, which is rebellion. And so my point is, the curse, because Adam and Eve broke the law, they were expelled from the garden, the curse of the law was pronounced upon them, right? There'll be enmity between your seed and my seed. You're going to have trouble getting, uh, delivering children. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, Adam, you're going to bring forth the bread of the ground through the sweat of your brow and the toil. Nonetheless, this is for your sake. That's weird. Why do you say this is good for you? Because in Romans 8, 20, the scripture says that we were created in vanity, we were, subject, we were made subject to vanity by reason of him who subjected the same in hope. We were subjected to vanity by reason of him who subjected the same in hope. So when Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, what could they do about it? There's nothing they could do to regain entrance. It was all vanity of vanity, their works, their efforts. That's not going to get them back into fellowship with God. The only thing that can get them back into fellowship with God is the hope that they have. Yes. I have made them subject to vanity by reason of the hope that he also subjected them to. So we have hope in God. <laughs> the whole point is this. All right. Body, soul, and spirit, separated from God the Father, reconciled by Jesus. But because of the curse of the law, we inherited, we inherited, that we inherited the seed of Adam. Yeah. We inherited the seed of sin. We inherited the seed of sin. So now, even though we're saved, reconciled, we still live in a corrupt and fallen world. Our body is still corrupt in the sense that we have the seed of sin. I didn't have to teach you how to lie, cheat, and steal. I didn't have to teach you anything nasty. You did it on your own. Is that true or false? Paul says it best in Romans 7, I'll abbreviate, but he says, oh, wicked man. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. The things that I do not want to do, I do, and the things that I don't want to do, I do. I can't win this battle. He says, wretched man that I am. And what do we just read in Galatians 5, 16? This I say, then walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For these two are contrary one to the other. 
The, lust, uh, the flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit lusts, lusts against the flesh. And they're contrary so that you cannot do the things you would. There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on inside of me. And I've got to win the battle based on my mind, but I want to bring this to your attention. We're talking about body, soul, and spirit. And we are redeemed, reconciled to God, brought back into relationship with God. Nonetheless, the seed of sin, the seed of Adam still dwells within us. And Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. And in Galatians 5, 16, again, Paul talks about this battle that's going on within us. When I don't like what I see up there on that, that word splat on the wall, I don't agree with some of those things, I might get angry. I take offense. I don't like the looks of that person that just walked in the door. That's the battle in my flesh. What are the fruits of that? The fruits of the spirit, there is no law, but the fruits of the flesh condemn you. So, this I say, then walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Are you a soulish or a spiritual person? Spiritual means you're controlled by the spirit of God. Your mind and your will and your emotions are controlled, influenced, immersed by, praise God, the Holy Spirit, filled, led by the Spirit of God. That's a spiritual person. Yeah. A soulish person is one who is, has a tendency, an habituation, a pattern of being controlled by the flesh, yeah. my carnal desires, my fleshly desires, the fruits. Remember, you're known by your fruits. Are you known by spiritual fruit? Or are you known by carnal fruit? Are you known by pleasant fruit? Or are you known by corrupted fruit? Where are your roots? Where are you anchored to? Is it the word of God? So this battle goes on within us, right? And we are wrestling between the flesh and the spirit. But I have to ask you a question. All right, I want to bring this to your mind because I want to take this another step and we'll get closed up here in a few minutes. Paul gives us the picture in Romans 7, 1 through 4. And they may pop it up there, but he says this. Because remember, even though you're born again, even though you are redeemed, blood-washed, blood tithe-paying, tongue-talking, saint of God, that's what it is. Even though you're born again, you still have a seed in your members of sin. That doesn't mean you're not forgiven, but in your members is the desire to sin. And it's our job to beat that, to crucify that down. Because that's what the scripture says, right? The flesh lusts against the spirit. And so that's a daily battle. But Paul says in, in Romans 7, 1 through 4, you can read with, with me if you'd like. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. So then, while her husband lives, she marries another man. She'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you have also become dead to the law through the body of Jesus that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that you should bear fruit to God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So I think this is what I'm saying. If you don't like what's going on, just blame it on your spouse. Right? That's what the Bible says, right? When I first got saved, I really couldn't understand. I said, what? This is what? But thank God I understand it better now. 
But Paul, <laughs> but Paul is saying, obviously, don't you know that in, when you're married to someone, you're bound to them. You're bound to them. You're bound. Yeah. And the only way you can get away from that relationship is if that spouse dies or you die. One of you guys got to go. And the lady says, and the lady says, my first, <laughs> you got to go. I should have wrote that down. There's one of you got to go. And that's exactly where I'm going. And then we'll close with that, Pastor Dale. The, the first man I'm married to, man, he's tough. He expects a lot. He demands a lot. Everything's got to be in his place. He's type A. He's clean. He's orderly. Everything's got to be just so. And I'm a little more relaxed. I'm a little more carefree. I can tolerate a little mess. But he's just demanding all the time. Do this, do that. And he never helps. And he's always on my back. That's the guy I'm married to. Do not raise your hand. And then, right, don't raise your hand. And then... She says, I got to get out of this relationship because that guy's like the law, right? Very, very demanding, very demanding. It doesn't give you any help. Just, just, he just criticizes you. He just condemns you. So she says, I'm going to, if he won't die, I'll die, right? So I'm going to be married to this other man. This other guy still expects a lot, but he's there to help me all the time. Praise God. That's the Holy Ghost. That's Jesus, right? But let me finish with this uh, illustration and then we'll close. In uh, medieval times, uh, the poet Virgil identifies this, and Aristotle writes about this a little bit. And not that I've read all those things, but I've just done a little research, so I don't want to sound smarter than what I am. I just read it, right? But uh, <clears throat> there was a poem by Virgil that talks about this. But in medieval, medieval times, excuse me, <clears throat> or in the times of the emperors of Rome, one of the punishments for murder, for murder, was that if I murdered you, that corpse of that deceased person would be tied to my body. And perhaps mouth to mouth, fingers to fingers, foot to foot, or maybe on my back. That's pretty gross, right? So the term, get off my back, you know where that comes from now. Get off my back, right? But this is the, the picture that Paul is, is writing. A lot of us are controlled by the law still. We're carrying our sins on our back. We're carrying shame on our back. We're, we're carrying our schedules on our back. We're carrying frustrations. We're carrying our sicknesses. We're carrying our bitterness. We're trying to carry it. And this is the flesh warring against the spirit. We're married to, who are you married to? And, and in closing, this is what the scripture says. So Paul says in Romans 7, uh, 21 through 24, I find then a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good, that's me. But I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, that's my spirit. But I see another law in my members, that's that seed of Adam that I inherited. I didn't ask for it, I just got it. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And here, of course, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The law is like that dead man strapped to your back. The law is like the husband or wife, the marriage partner, who's just terrible to be married to. And Paul, in desperation, says, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me? Who can deliver me? Because, listen, serving Jesus, and I'm, I want to read this because I want to get it right. Serving Jesus, being a Christian, it's not about trying. It's about trusting. Yes. Okay? It's not effort. 
It's not how hard you try. It's about grace. It's not about struggle. How much do you struggle? It's about rest. Jesus carries the burden for us. When I say, Lord, I'm beside myself, oh, wretched man, who can take me? Who can save me from this? Jesus comes and takes that dead corpse off your back. He comes and takes that corpse, that burden off your back. He says, he says, come and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you, which is doing the Father's will. Be freed from that yoke of the law. So there's a dead man. It's the, it's the yoke of the law. It's struggling in your spirit. And the Lord says, let it go. And it's like a dead man on your back, a burden on your back that you can't carry. And as Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from the body of this death? Representing the burdens that we try to solve, the things we try to take care of. Because we're we're thinking we can do it by the law, but it's by grace. And let Jesus today come unto me, all you who labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want us today... My burden is that we would be freed from the animosity, the judgment, the stress, the burden of trying to measure up, of trying to make up for things we've done wrong. Sin entered the world by one man, and sin is removed by one man, and that is Jesus. And the only thing we do now is accept it by grace as a lily of the field. Praise God. As a lily of the field, I'm swinging in the glory of God, the grace of his mercy, and he meets my every need. And we can walk in that. That's walking in rest. That's walking in rest. Hallelujah. It's walking in rest and relying on the Holy Spirit. Y'all, if we're focused on our independence, we'll never have rest. But if we're focused on dependence, casting our cares, our dependence, Trust, how exciting to trust in a loving God and say, Lord, I trust you with all my heart. Lord, I'm depending on you. Praise God, and he'll meet your needs. Your faith will grow. Your heart will rise. You'll win that battle. You'll be set free. Trust his word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your spirit in our lives. Thank you for your loving kindness in Jesus' name. If our prayer partners could come up to the front, I'd just like to ask you a question, two things today, but you may be here today, you may be a churchgoer, you may not even know Jesus, you've never asked Jesus into your heart. What does that mean? It's nothing weird. Say, Lord, I'm feeling lost, disconnected, confused, perhaps upset, bitter. Salvation is just saying, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. For my sins and come into my heart and live, be the Lord of my life. I want to depend on you instead of me. In a minute, if you've made that decision today, if you want to make that decision, come up here and just pray with someone. Let them talk you through it. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It'll change your life because Jesus is real. The next thing is, before we leave, if you're here today and, man, you're, you're dealing with this legal thing. You're, this battle within you is tormenting you. You're Flesh against the spirit, spirit against the flesh, back and forth. I can't seem to get over. I can't seem to get the victory. I can't seem to win. I can't seem to get my faith elevated. I mean, that's okay. It's normal. David fell. David fell. David committed murder and adultery. The psalmist of God. God loves you. 
Peter cut a guy's ear off. Have you ever cut a guy's ear off? No. Well, maybe you have. I don't know. But, I mean, people fall short. That's the process of sanctification, of getting saved. We get better and better. So let us help you. Let these prayer folks just pray with you to help you get a little better. We all fall short of the glory of God. But the thing is, we're all saved by grace, which is by faith, which is his gift. So come and just receive that gift today. Enter in and let these folks come pray with you in the name of Jesus. So, Father, thank you for this day. Let your word go forth. Let your power go forth. Let your praise go forth. Hallelujah. And thank you that we are more than conquerors. Thank you that we are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that you may be the firstborn among many brethren, Father. And we thank you that we can worship you. Father, we cast our cares upon you. Thank you for freeing us from the bondage of the law and blessing us with the power of your grace and your rest. Father, it's not a set of rules. It's just the grace that you've given us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah and hallelujah. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. Or you can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc.